Looking to create wealth and income through high cash flowing real estate? Self-storage is the fastest growing and the newest real estate asset that has outperformed all others. What's its secret? I'm AJ Osborne, and with over a million square feet that we have built, acquired, expanded, and even converted big box stores from small third tier markets to large hundred plus thousand square foot facilities, we have seen it all. This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. Welcome, everybody, to Self-Storage Income. We have got an interesting podcast today because uh, <laughs> we had some interesting events that involved murders and bombs and other fun <laughs> things at the storage facilities. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's in, you know, in all seriousness, it's not something to laugh at. I mean, this is all very serious stuff, but uh, I guess in some of these things, you, you can't it's all you can do is kind of laugh and yeah. you know it's it's um laughable only in the the by the way of being it's so outrageous mm-hmm. that it's like yeah. we're still hard to even believe it really happened like you know it's just crazy um so today we're talking about crisis we're talking about large expenses and the things that can happen at your storage facility. That's really going to be the the goal. And as we kind of walk through some of these events that had happened and, and what you do to prepare for them and, and what to watch out for while you own a storage facility. And if you're going to be getting into it, the bumps in the road, the potholes, the things that are inevitably going to happen. Um, and I think that's a really important conversation to have. Uh, we also uh, did something similar to this. Uh, we talked about some of these expenses and everything on the YouTube. So I don't know if that one's come out for sure. The Yeah, the last one on the YouTube came out was how to lower your real estate taxes. Uh, we have how to automate a self-storage facility um, and also how to double the value of a storage facility. Those have all come out in the last few weeks. So those are pretty good ones. You guys need to check out um, those are rolling out every week now. Yeah, one one a week, and then uh, touching on that, uh, increasing the value of a storage facility or doubling the value. Uh, you talk a lot about unit pricing and market research and what you need to be charging for a unit. That's uh, that's a question that we do get a lot from people on YouTube yes. and from the podcast and everywhere else. It's like, well, how do I value a unit? How, what do I charge? Uh, you talk a lot about that, analyzing the market, how you go through those steps. Um, so those videos are honestly... I mean, some of the best content out there that you can get in regards to storage and, and those aspects of storage uh, outside of, you know, spending tens of thousands of dollars to go to a course or uh, a mastermind group or something like that. I mean, the value in those things are just insane. And I'm not just saying that because I like AJ a lot. <laughs> it's <laughs> legit, like just super actionable. Um, in the book, I mean, too, if you guys, obviously, if you picked up his book, you guys know, or listen to the podcast, you guys know that that uh, you know, just deploying value is what we're all about. So we're not here to, to you know, keep the veil over everything and, and try to 
keep secrets or quote unquote secrets mm-hmm. of the trade. You know, um, I know AJ is always talking about the the rising tide and raising all ships, and uh, that's really what we're all about, and that's what our goal is here. So yeah, get out those videos, check them out on YouTube. A lot of really really good content, and you get to see AJ's handsome beard and that's face right. and everything uh-huh. else. Exactly. So, so I said that so now you can never shave that. Like you know, <laughs> ever. <laughs> um, uh, anyways, be happy about that. Yeah, yeah. So, so another thing too, awesome. guys, we should uh, kind of mention because we are doing this stuff and we're trying to give everything out there as absolutely much as we can just for you guys to have. Um, uh, you know, we don't believe in expensive, um, you know, $50,000 coaching programs, things like that, or way more than that. Um, it, it really is our goal to make sure that all this information is out there and for free. If you guys could support us by liking, giving us great reviews, that is the currency of our content, so to speak. That's what helps us. That's what keeps us going. Um, and that will allow us to keep putting out tons of content for free. Um, it it really makes a difference. We would rather get either you know sponsors or we would rather get Google to pay us on ads or either YouTube or something like that than getting it from charging people, right? We think that that is a much better business model in an information age, but that is only successful from the support of our listeners and stuff, which you guys have been awesome. So everything from the book to that, if you guys can jump on to YouTube and five-star, great review this, jump onto YouTube, give us a, a, a subscribe and like it and give us great reviews. That really, really does help us in our mission. So once again, you know, a lot of times we have just content that is more investigate large fact. This is an interesting one because a lot of the stuff that we're doing, we didn't really realize when we got started in self-storage. First of all, we didn't realize some of the things that we would encounter, um, maybe a little naive, or to fully understand the expense side of self-storage what that looks like, and particularly the larger expenses. Um, Everything from conversions to new builds to just acquisitions uh, that we encountered us and we encountered and surprised us. So we're hoping that we can, throughout this discussion, help you guys understand some of these things you really need to look out for um, so that you are not surprised. With that said, let's get right into this crazy story. Dude, so uh, last you know, last week, I got this frantic phone call from <laughs> one of our managers at one of our storage facilities that uh, they've been contacted by a detective, and there was this big situation going on, and they were worried, kind of, you know, what they were able to do or not do, and information they were able to provide and not provide uh, to the authorities and so forth regarding the tenant and access to the property and all these other things. And um, so they were kind of flustered. Obviously, this is, this is a big event, and come to find out, uh, this individual or this, you know, number of individuals that the authorities were investigating, uh, one had been arrested. Uh, and was being held for attempted murder. And then another individual um, was potentially manufacturing explosives uh, that they were trying to track down and figure out, you know, if that was what was going on or not. Uh, As of right now, we have no idea. We haven't even heard, you know, confirmed one way or the other what's going on, any of that kind of stuff as far as I know. Um, But anyways. uh, Well, and and it's important to understand the situation legally that you're in. 
because uh, a lot of people think for a perfect example for we, there's obviously a lot of emotions and the managers are nervous. Everyone's nervous. There's cops. There's all these, you know, it, it's it's crisis time. And it's at times like this that your people, including you, will make the big mistakes and they'll make them legally. There's this urge to say, well, let's just let them into the unit. There's this urge to say, you know, we need to, you know, do all these different things. We want them out of our facility, We right? But these are the important times to not react, to literally just stop and analyze the situation, get a hold of attorneys, get a hold of everybody and figure out what you're supposed to do. Because even though you own the property, you don't own anything in that unit. And two, your lease doesn't allow you to go into that unit. That's not how it works. So when we get a warrant, the warrant's not for us. The warrant's for the tenant. That means that the cops could go in there at some time, unrelated to us, and open the open the unit. I guess technically they don't even have to give us the warrant. They can just go do it. Because the warrant is to access those people's stuff in their unit. And so I think, first of all, we tell all our managers and everything, we always obviously cooperate with the authorities. But two, we also need all documentations. We need, you know, we just don't let things willy-nilly happen at our facility. There's a process and a chain of commands that they know. So we have like crisis escalation. So this stuff happens. There's certain things at our facility that, you know, especially at scale, we don't want to know everything. It's just, you know, if a tenant's mad, things like that, I don't want to know. You know, we've hired a manager at these larger facilities to deal with it, right? Um, And when we're looking at what needs to be escalated, right, anytime law enforcement is involved at all, that needs to be escalated up to us at corporate. Um, Anytime that there is in any way, shape, or form threats or harms or um, physical damage to the assets, uh, anything like that, it needs to be escalated. And it seems like, I don't know, we've seen stuff in the last few months that we've never seen. I don't know if it's just people are getting crazier today. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't or, know what it is for sure. But yeah, it definitely seems like there's been a, an influx. I mean, what, last month we had somebody basically said, you know, they were going to kill one of our managers. Yeah. And, and this is over, I mean, literally very minuscule on small uh, small things. Yeah, we had uh, somebody threaten the life of, of our management in one of the facilities. Um and, uh, and this is the other thing too, like, uh, this is kind of outside the realm of storage, I think for a lot of people, but, um, just in our everyday lives. And again, this is kind of relatable to your managers and you, if you're the you know owner operator and manager on site, you're going to be your own first responder yes. in these situations. Because in that event where we had somebody saying, um, you know, they, cause essentially what happens is, is they called and their call went to our call center and, um, they they had legitimately said that they would in you know in a uh, 
in a menacing way were like, well, I'd hope uh, or what did they say? I, it would be awful if somebody yeah, got killed over this. Exactly. It'd be awful if somebody got killed over this. Um, essentially insinuating that that was what they were suggesting they were going to do or what was going to happen because they weren't getting something they wanted or because they felt wronged by whatever. Um, and we had contacted law enforcement regarding that and they didn't even bother to come out. No. And I get it. I understand that a lot of these agencies are really busy. Um, but I was just really not super pleased with that response. Um, but because too the threats were it, this wasn't a random off the cuff thing. The, right. the emails that were coming in yep. were screaming. They were swearing. They were threatening. I mean, the person was off the rocker. Mm-hmm. Like we were, yeah. we were legitimately concerned for our managers. And then it was escalated when when they basically hinted that you know somebody was going to die because of these late fees. Right, right. And so just kind of going back to that, you know, being our own first responders, um, we have to have those policies, standard operating procedures, and you need to have those tools and everything available for yourself, for your management, uh, on location to know, you know what needs to happen in a situation like that. You know, okay, so if that person shows up, what do you do? I mean, yeah. I mean, they need to have a plan ready to go. Um, you don't want to start to try to figure out what a plan is going to be when you're in the moment, you know. 100%. So, um, that's just another kind of side note to, well, to the craziness going true. on. And it's true. Most of the time when we're dealing with law enforcement, which we support and everything else like that, but it's kind of you're on your own. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We, we don't ever get – I mean, we have had crazy things happen in our facilities. We had somebody that drove a car – through the inside of one of our facilities. So, you know, like when you go into uh, Walmart, they have the sliding doors that shut and open up, right? yeah, the, the double doors, ones, big glass yeah. double doors, right? So we have that in a facility we converted because it was a big Kmart, right? Somebody drove their car from the middle of the facility down the storage aisleways and blew through those doors. We literally drove through both of them. Right by the office. Straight out of the action movie. Like crazy. <laughs> it, it just, you're like, I don't even understand this. Um, and, you know, we've ever found everything from drugs and guns. And for the most part, cops really don't want to get involved. Even in things that we think are very obvious. And we're like, we don't know how to deal with this. We've got to figure this out, right? Or somebody's legitimately breaking the law on yeah. property, and it's like, oh, well, that's that's going to be a civil, civil matter. Civil matter. A which, lot of times. Yes, we're which, shocked at that. I really don't quite understand, you know? Yeah. I don't, I don't care if I have any kind of obligation or contract with anybody. If I'm breaking the law, I'm breaking the law. <laughs> If I'm partaking in criminal activity, that's... Uh, well, we I, had I know, somebody that dry. broke into one of our buildings and stole... I mean, I, I don't even know what the end total was, but it was like 12 units, right? Um, I It was a lot of units. I can't remember the total units, but... Um, and we just got put in a... In like, we couldn't even get them to come out. Yeah. It yeah. got to it was the point... Weeks. It was weeks. And it yeah. finally got to the point where we told the manager, call 911. Mm-hmm. Because we couldn't get the police force to respond. Yeah. They just didn't even care. Right. It's like, we need a unit, like, right now. Like, right now. You guys need to get out here. And they're like, <laughs> well, we'll send a private investigator, but they're really busy. So, and, and 
I, I don't even know if it ever even got resolved. Yeah, I know they've been investigating because um, there was actually these uh, a group of criminals in this area that were going around to these storage facilities and breaking into units. Um, and they were actually kind of storing back and forth at some of these facilities, all this stuff that they've stolen and all this jazz. So it was a big, big ordeal. And uh, I don't know if they ended up catching the people or if they ended up, I mean, we've never yeah. gotten any Which kind of updates. Which we don't get follow-up or, or yeah, updates nothing. and they don't come up. So. You know, Connor is absolutely right when he says, you know, you are the first responder and um, that needs to be taken into consideration in your policies and procedures, working with your personnel, your call centers, everything else when dealing with these tenants and how do we react in these situations? Who is the proper authority to call on your team? Where does that escalation happen? There are some instances where we obviously obviously say you need to call the police. Whether they're going to come out or not, that doesn't even matter. We just need to have on record that we did it. Um, and you know, once again, then how do we how do we proceed? Mm -hmm. um, some of these things are driven from inside and outside. We also have uh, um, managers that would be stealing from us. Mm -hmm. And so yep, then we have too. to decide how do we document these things? How do we record these things, right? So um, this idea of building out um, processes are really important. And first of all, we we believe it's the really important to have a paper trail of all of this. We tell people it needs to be an email. We need to have something showing we record all phone conversations, so when somebody calls in and, for example, they're screaming or threatening our manager, we have that recorded. Mm -hmm. We sit back in our offices, even if it's on the other side of the country, and we're listening to this person scream and threaten our manager. So we record all our conversations uh, for that reason. And then, two, well, if there's anything threatening, we just have the managers go and, like, in those situations, they'll go lock the doors. And then they will open and let people in based upon identification. I can see who it is. I know it's not the person of threat. Uh, you know, we have some people, a perfect example, that one person we were talking about, and they were hanging outside, literally waiting around the facility. We had, some, had to have someone come to be at the facility with the manager. Um, and these are all separate things we're talking about here. We're talking. Mm -hmm. We. I, I just yeah. talked about like five facilities. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And two, exactly. all within the last six months. Right. Yeah. No, there's been a lot going on for sure. And then kind of to going back to what you're talking about, just that documentation process and so on, um, which I think if you're the manager or you're, um, you're conveying all of this to your managers, uh, we were just talking about this the other day where um, when we have law enforcement come in and they want to access a unit, we do request that they provide a warrant. So yes. obviously we've got that paper trail and, and have that documentation and we're, you know, uh, following the law on our end and we're not going to end up in some kind of lawsuit because we let somebody access somebody's belongings without the authority to do so. Um, and I think a really important thing is, again, we're always wanting to cooperate as much as possible and asking for warrants, subpoenas, things like that is not it shouldn't be seen as trying to get in the way of that investigation no, or trying to all. hinder them. It's it's actually trying to help everyone and saying, okay, well, 
yeah, please go get a warrant like super fast so we can make sure that this dude's not making explosives in here. <laughs> we and we want out. that person convicted <laughs> and removed. Exactly. And if we do it wrong, they won't yeah. be. But there's got to be that legal due process. There's got to yes. be the documentation. Everybody's got to be on the up and up. Things got to be squared away. Um, that's just the process that, that you need to go through. And it's super important. So I think, I think first thing you need to remember is there, that there needs to be crisis policies for your people. Whether it's on-site, off-site managers, it doesn't matter. They need to know what happens in given situations. You need to document everything and record everything, conversation, so when these things happen. If it's not documented or recorded and it's a who, you know, she said, he said thing, that, that doesn't work. It's it's irrelevant. Um, and then uh, uh, the next thing, too, I also want to mention is insurance. Um, we have a lot of insurance. We have insurance from people that are going to sue us. We have insurance from damages on the property, right? We have insurance on all these. You have to cover your risk. Um, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen in your unit. You don't know what the that person's going to do to other people on your facility, um, right? This is a physical property that you own. You need to be protected when you're allowing other people onto that property, and they're bad acts, mm-hmm. right? If you are a landlord of any kind, commercial, residential, multifamily, industrial, self-storage, you're going to have crazy stuff go on because people are involved and they're leasing out, aka living, even if they shouldn't be living as we found. <laughs> we had a guy that built a house in one of our units. Well, speaking of craziness in the last few months, we've had this twice in just, I mean, the last, yeah, last six months at least. Um, people have gone in and built massive infrastructure inside their units. Like I mean, stairways. Yeah, stairs, lofts, like. lavatories, all kinds of things. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, it, two separate facilities across the country. I, I don't know if this is some kind of growing trend out there with everyone or what, but. I mean, you open it up <laughs> and inside there's a flipping house. Right. They have a table, they have a kitchen, they yeah. have, and you're going, I don't know how you did this in a 10 by 20, but that's amazing. Right. But you got to get out. The one guy had a had a, uh, a solar panel that he'd wired in. Yeah. And like went out through the top of the right. door onto the roof. <laughs> it's just like, dude. What? Well, like, if they would put forth that kind of effort in the marketplace, they'd be billionaires. That's just I amazing. tell you what, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's so you, you got to be ready. You know, for these things, and two, you need to know what to look out for. So, one of the things that we look out for when people are living in the units and our managers know is time of access. Okay. This is really important. This is one of the reasons that, gonna bring up our sponsor, Noki. We use Noki, which is a uh, keyless entry system. Okay. So, security is obviously really important. And Janice, who uh, is Noki, um, they make metal frameworks, doors, things like that. But with Noki, the gate access and the unit access is recorded online because they're doing it via their app. So we can actually see when people are opening up their units. And so, when they close them. And, and when they close yeah, them, when they come long, into the facility, yeah. when they don't. So it's pretty easy to see when somebody accesses the unit at 9 o'clock at night and they're opening up their door at 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. And then they leave the facility at 9 a.m. or 7 a.m., that there's probably an issue here. Um, other things that 
uh, we uh, look out for. So once again, that's our sponsor, Janus. I know that was kind of off the cuff, but it's a perfect example. Really good. A really good example of the sponsor. We track uh, the data. It allows more security. We even, too, they're attached to um, uh, sensors within the unit. So you can tell if somebody's moving around in that unit. Yeah, if the door's closed and locked. Yes, if the door's closed and locked at 2 a.m., you can see if somebody's moving in that unit. Um, So... There, there's ways that you can do and put in systems to help you. Uh, that's uh, you can fo- you can find their link. It's at the bottom of the podcast. It's in our show notes um, yeah, and yeah. also on the site selfstorageincome.com. But that has been a great tool that we've utilized. Another thing, though, is things that the managers need to know to look out for. So if you don't have that on the unit, you still have your gate. Right. If you have a gate, if you don't have a gate, there's other things we're going to tell you to look out for. Um, but the gate and the cameras looking for those off hour accesses. Right. Oh, every single night at 12 o'clock, this person comes into our facility and leaves at eight o'clock. OK, there's obviously a problem here. Um, and looking at things like, well, I don't know, maybe solar panels coming out the door onto the roof. <laughs> so they're getting power, you yeah. know, uh, doors that aren't locked or aren't fully shut. That's mm-hmm. another one. That's a big tell for sure. It's a big tell. We had this. So one of our managers caught somebody that was living in a unit. Um, they said, listen, there's funny activity going on. They're accessing the, the facility at this hour at night. They're leaving in the morning. Um, I can see their motorcycle pull up and then because we have cameras. So then we can check and verify the access and everything and look at cameras. So me and Rock, who used to work with us uh, here, um, we went to that unit. And they're like, we're like, is he there now? Is in the morning? They're like, yeah. So we went to the unit. We the unit next to them was open, luckily. And everything we have is metal. So it's not there's no wood in it. But there's a little gap at the top of that unit. We took a ladder. Stuck it up there, walked up to the gap of the unit, <laughs> got, got in the gap of this unit above and say, hey, get out of the unit. You're living in the unit. You need to get out now. <laughs> I don't know if that was, uh, you know, but we're like, we got to get this guy out now, yep. right? So him and his girlfriend or whoever was living in there with him came in. They built a wall and they had a whole bed set up and they had their yeah. whole place, right? <laughs> and um, so... The next day or the next week, we kicked him out. We evicted him out. The next week, um, he was actually in a police shootout, and uh, he was shot by the authorities because um, they were they were shooting him. But one of the most he was shooting at them. That's why he he died. But uh, <laughs> uh, one of the most important things about this that you have to understand is not only do you not want people living in, you are liable for it. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. against the code of the city. For anybody to be living in that unit. So if that unit burns down, if that facility burns down with somebody in it, they die. And it is shown that you knew somebody was living in there and you didn't kick them out. You can be liable for that. Cue the uh, large expenses. Bingo. <laughs> so, you know, these are things that you need to have policy set up. It needs to be written and recorded so you can avoid these kind of crises. Um, now, aside from all the fun stories, uh, we have, and by fun, we mean it has to be fun because there's no other way to look at it because if not, it's just miserable. Um, right. So you, uh, the other stories or the other things that you need to look out for on this is the relationship, obviously, between um, that and large expenses. Uh, the ability to remove someone's house that they built in your facility 
is extremely expensive. Mm-hmm. That is not a cheap endeavor. Um, and then you have property damage and everything else. Uh, other things that we look for for ongoing maintenance is when you are de- when they're destroying the property to drill holes through ceilings, things like that that need need to happen. So it, it can be very very um, costly to repair, but it's also costly in the amount of time effort spent. Um, if you have people making bombs in your facility and it's out in the news, that's not good for business. That can take a little hit on your revenue as people are like, hmm, maybe I don't want to store in a place that has uh, bomb makers. So uh, those are things to look out for, obviously, on the expense side and why you need to be really careful. Other large expenses, though, we wanted to talk about today. When we talk about crisis mode, it's not just people, it's other things. We had a year um, that is we call it snowmageddon here. It was like four years ago, but it just snowed all year. Feet and feet and feet of snow. Mm -hmm. Um, You had buildings that were collapsing underneath them. Um, And in one month, we had a $100,000 snow removal bill. Yeah, I'll never forget that. Yeah. (laughs) That keeps me up at night. Which sounds insane, but I mean... Well, let's explain how it happened. Because everybody's like, well, you're an idiot. Why didn't you have a contract? Right? Well, we do have contracts. We right. do have snow um, plowing contracts. But here's the catch. They plowed the snow. But after it just kept snowing and snowing and snowing, they ran out of places to put the snow. So then they started putting it in the middle of the facility. They started piling it on top of each other. Well, after that became the size of two-story houses, um, we have another problem. Now there's nowhere else to put it, and this is all going to melt. So now we have to get rid of it because the next snowstorm that comes, there's nowhere else to put snow. That is not in the contract. Removing snow is different than snow plowing. And when you need snow removed, and so does every single business, um, and that requires trucks and loaders and everything else, they're going to charge you five, $8,000 a truckload. Yeah, it's not cheap. And it's like you're saying, I mean, it's a big production and it sounds so ridiculous, like loading up trucks with snow and moving it (laughs) and going and dumping snow somewhere else. It's like, what? The most ridiculous thing ever. Um, But like you said, it was just, it just kept snowing and that's what we had to do. I didn't have a choice. Yeah. There's nothing you could do. The drains were plugged in snow. They were frozen over. You couldn't even access the drains anymore. Ice dams everywhere. Uh, everywhere. Yeah. Um, roofs breaking. We lost, at some of our facilities, 90% of the gutters were just destroyed, ripped off the buildings, just yeah. hanging down. It looked like they'd been hit by a hurricane. Still having issues with yep. some of those Still even Some nowadays. of those issues. Yeah. The roofs, the roofs, some of them didn't do great. Um, and some of that was covered, but other parts of that was not. And this is where we look at holes right? Holes in your liability and holes in your overall process. So, you know, we had a system and this comes into building too, which we learned, you know, where is snow removal happening? Well, we had snow removal spots, but two in the contracts, they limit the snow removal to a certain radius. So once that spot's full, the moment you have to do it, they have to pick it up and move it. So you need to understand, We t- I talk a lot about like one dimensional and um, uh, dynamic understanding or learning. This is a perfect example of one-dimensional versus dynamic learning. 
One dimensional was we read, we understood, we need, because we have snow, we need someone to come plow the snow. But dynamic learning was the fact that I paid $100,000 to have it removed, and now I know to look at the contracts, right, for all this stuff. So when you're looking at a lot of these contracts, find the holes in them. Uh, you know, other things that come into play when you're building a facility is the time frame in which the buildings need to be – the mistakes by the builder need to be corrected. So you, you, once you build a building, you have a certain period of time in which that contract – um, you can have them come back, right? The GC needs to get the uh, um, uh, subcontractors to come out and fix things. Well, you need to make sure that there's a very clear ide idea of what is considered notification and what is the time frame in which it has to get rectified. So we had a building they built, and the front part of the building, they didn't compact the dirt. And so when they put the cement, it sunk, and it started ripping off the front of the building. We notified them. It took them a year to fix it. The reason being was they wanted to talk to their insurance companies. They wanted to do this, and they were wondering how much at fault they were. And the GC said, it's not our fault, subcontract, on and on and on. There wasn't a time limit in which they needed to correct that. Um, I, we hadn't have ever thought about that before. It was our first time that we were building. Uh, the windows were bowing. The doors are you know, breaking. It was a massive, obviously, correction that needed to be made. And it was getting to the point where we're like, we just have, we're going to have to do this. We, and then try to go after them for the money, which, as you all know, if you do it, they never come back. And, you know, that's a whole nother fight. Now you're in a lawsuit and uh, no one wins. No one wins. <laughs> Only the attorneys win. So yeah. understanding, once again, the ramif or the parameters of the agreements you're in and what that means is super important. And that brings us to the next part, lawsuits. Lawsuits, you never win. The only people that win lawsuits are attorneys, okay? If somebody was bragging about how they won a lawsuit, you're, it just I can't even get into that because I've been in lots of them with other businesses and everything else like that. And attorneys make a lot of money for a reason. Um, you don't win on the time spent, anything else. Put in your contracts mandatory arbitration. We have this with all our partners, with everybody we do. In there, it's a mandatory arbitration. You don't get to sue me. I don't get to sue you. We got a problem. We're going before a judge, and we're going to have it fixed. We're going to sit in a room. We're going to pay minimal attorney fees, and we're all going to live with the decision. It's better than sitting in years of lawsuits. This is probably one of the biggest expense that I see people get in. Mm -hmm. They get in lawsuits. They're $200,000 into attorney's fees before yeah. it's even over. And then they may not even get a favorable outcome for them. Right. And lots of contracts don't allow you to go back after attorney fees. So you're in a $200,000 attorney fee for $25,000 lawsuit. Um, make sure you have protection mm -hmm. from yourself, from other people, and from attorneys. So yeah. <laughs> don't get them involved. Arbitration. I think that's a really big one you should be thinking about. I think so, too. That's a that's a really good point because a lot of times so much of that is going to come down to the discretion of the court anyway. So why not just get there? Which, which too, <laughs> we, we think that the justice system means justice. We've had judges that just don't simply like our industry mm. and they penalize you for it. Um, even though contracts are clear, the law is clear. They, they'll either give you the lowest of low what you can. They won't let you go after because they think that you're a big business. Happened in Washington. Go figure. Um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> but they, even though there's obligations contract and there's clear evidence, um, it, just, it just doesn't matter. You're dealing with people. 
and you never know who you're going to get. You never know what the judge is going to. You never know if oh, they're going to like you. It's, it's a pure gamble. Total gamble. Total, total crapshoot. You have no control over any of it. Any of it. Uh, the more you can streamline that, the better. Um, speaking of expenses, I wanted to bring up Live Oak real quick, kind of do this other plug here. Uh, I was talking to Terry Campbell with Live Oak the other day, and I was like, hey, dude, do you have anything for us to share? And he actually, <clears throat> Live Oak has some really good SBA program incentives right now. So right now, between February 1st and September 30th, if you close an SBA loan in between that time frame, uh, the SBA will make six months of your P&I payments for you up to $9,000 per month. You heard that right. I thought that was pretty sweet. Six months. Yeah. So I wanted to bring that up real fast. Um, Live Oak, uh, go listen to Terry's episode. They have a lot of really good SBA programs. They, you know, the 504, the 7A loans, they've got uh, all kinds of different options for you guys. And, and they have some really, really good incentives right now just through their SBA program. And I know that's how a lot of people are really kind of getting into the storage industry and uh, acquiring facilities and, and getting started. So if that is an option that you've been thinking about for, you know, jumping into the industry, check out Live Oak, uh, links in the show notes, uh, talk to Terry, go and, you know, listen to that episode, hear everything he's got to say. Really good group. They know storage, just fantastic group of guys uh, and gals and everybody over there. So we really, really enjoy them. Yes, check them out. And that's the next um, you know thing we should probably actually talk about in fees uh, and the actual process of big expenses, the financing portion, not just the financing, but when you go in to look at a f storage facility, even if you want it, there's certain things that are going to be required of you to get that facility, phase one studies, for example, um, Alta surveys, right? These are surveys and things that you need to get to get the bank loan to even buy it. And these can be very expensive. You can rack up $20,000 just in surveys before you've even figured out if you got a loan or anything else like that. And if those come back bad, you won't end up buying it, but you don't get that money back. So you need to be ready for some of these soft costs, right? Um, and admin costs to even get the deal done. Now, some people are saying, you know, well, you know, can we put that into the bank loan? Can the big require it stuff? And you have to work that out financing. But for us, we require now all our deals. We need phase ones. We need all the surveys done. Uh, phase ones, you're really looking at the soil. You're looking at what was there. Is there toxic material, all that kind of stuff. Alt surveys, you're looking at um, the parameters in which the buildings sit in the zoning, the property lines. Um, which you think is a no-brainer, but we actually have properties that are like three feet over the property line. Yeah. And Whoops. we're going, what? Yeah. How did that even happen? Who did this? Yeah. So another big cost is getting not yeah. getting it done and then finding out afterwards when a new property owner next to you says, hey, tear down that four feet of your building, the mm -hmm. back of your building, because it's all my property. Well, and two, on the other side of that, doing environmentals for uh, a building, so kind of like one of our conversion projects, if you're going to go in, uh, demo a lot of stuff out, it's an older building and uh, you're knocking down walls, tearing out floors, doing this, doing that, ceilings, whatever it is, um, there can be a lot of hazardous materials and different things in there that those contractors have to know about and be aware of. So those environmental studies on conversion projects can can be a lot of money as well. So that's something that uh, you definitely need to have quoted out and price out and, and take into account in your underwriting as well. 
Um, there's all kinds of environmental companies, material testing companies, all that kind of stuff that you guys can reach out to and, and have go and, and walk through your facility and provide a quote and, and kind of mm-hmm. get a better grasp on what that cost is going to be. Um, so you're not just guessing and shooting in the dark, but uh, that's another one that can actually be pretty expensive sometimes. And two, when we're dealing with the facility and everything, we have capital expenditures, which kind of left this to last. There's so many expenditures we can cover. We just want to give you a few that maybe you know, and you're like, you're, man, you guys are dumb. Why didn't you know that? I mean, we didn't know about some of these, so we had to <laughs> figure them out. Exactly. Out. So, yeah. um, but the capital expenditures when associated with the buildings themselves, as in you buy a building. So if you're buying a $600,000 storage facility and the roofs are all crap, but you don't know because you don't know anything about roofs and you have a $200,000 roof repair across all your buildings, that really changed whether that deal is a good deal or not. Mm-hmm. And that deal may have just become a very bad deal. Yeah. So, um, under- well, we spent over we spent over half a million on a roof last year. Yep. Uh, granted, large facility. I mean, brand new roof, good material, all that kind of stuff. But I mean, you're talking six, seven hundred thousand dollars in a roof. That is a lot of a money, dude. A lot of money. Yeah. A lot of money. And um, you know. If you know about it and it just needs repaired and you bought it, so if you bought it and it just needs repaired, that's not an insurance thing. You're just upgrading right. the buildings. So you need to make sure that when you're looking at your new acquisitions, capital expenditures that may be looming that need to be done. And now you're sitting here like, okay, well, I don't know because we don't either. That's why when you look at the building, you can get somebody to come out there and check your building, do an inspection, look at all the repairs, things that may need to get done, and they can actually provide you a list that obviously costs money to do, but it's a lot cheaper to get that done beforehand, go back to the owner and say, I got $300,000 worth of expenses that need to be done here. Yep. So how can you justify this price when I have to come in here and put this? And did you know your roofs are leaking? Right. Right. right? Uh, so these are big things that you need to look out for. Um, also, two expenditures that I always think the most of, and I'll, and I'll leave it at this one because we're taking a lot of time, but the ones that can't be changed. What I mean that is facilities that were built wrong. Mm-hmm. So foundations, right? So your um, they're ground level and you have water flooding on bad rainstorms. You just can't go lift up the cement on a building and rise it above, right? You have to rip out the middle. You have to change the the storm drains, the seepage beds, those kind of things. Those are huge ticket items. If they're even doable at all. If they're doable at all. And these are the things that we find end up into massive litigation and lawsuits for millions of dollars because they felt that they didn't know and that they were cheated by the owner or something else in an acquisition, it's better just to find out everything you can and make the decision to walk away or or not. So um, hidden costs, I find, are usually the biggest cost. So do everything you can to look out for them. Um, with that, anything else, man? I mean, no, this dude. is a lot, and yeah. we have a lot more expenses we could obviously go over, but uh, those are some big ones on the top of our mind. Yeah. No, it's been a fantastic episode. Uh, make sure, leave us some good reviews. Let us know what you guys think. Stay up to date on everything we got going on. Uh, SellStorageIncome.com, uh, YouTube, Edgy Osborne on uh, Instagram, Twitter. You've been doing some Clubhouse stuff, too, if you guys are on Clubhouse. So That's right. Yeah, yep. jump We're on trying that. to do that every single week. 
so that's been really cool to kind of see the uh, response on there. And then also, we just recently launched the Self Storage Income Manager podcast. Uh, it's on iTunes, Spotify, uh, wherever you guys are listening to them at. And uh, it's an awesome episode. Me and Kaylee Esuvez uh, jump into just the day to day operations. We talk about the managing of the physical asset there on site uh, to kind of help streamline things, run a facility effectively, efficiently. Um, you know, bring your your facility up to you know, that standard in the market or become the standard in the market. Yes. Uh, you know, just if you're a manager, owner, operator, manager, if you have managers, you want to have listen to that podcast, it's have them check must. it out. Yeah, it's a must. It's awesome. For sure. We're excited about it. So yeah, get over there, check that out. Again, leave us uh, some reviews and comments and questions over there. Uh, love hearing from you guys and uh, take care and we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks, everybody.